in 2014, I think it was, I made a 30-day silent retreat. And, well, you don't just go on a 30-day silent retreat out of the blue. Um, you, you have time, or it is wise, to take the time to prepare. So I did this 30-day retreat with an organization called the Institute for Priestly Formation, and they had a bunch of us who were either priests or seminarians preparing to be priests all at the same time. And we got there, I don't know, three or four or five days before the retreat began, and we, we prayed together, and we listened to talks, and we talked amongst ourselves, so as to prepare ourselves to, to go from the busyness of regular life into the stillness, the slowness, and the silence for, for 30 days. And one of the talks was given by a very holy deacon, Deacon Keating, and he said, the whole point of your life, the whole reason that you're coming on this retreat is because you want to be a saint. Because you want to be with Jesus forever. Because you want to be a model of the joy of the gospel. A model of the joy and fulfillment of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And where do we see images of saints? Well, we see them in statues, we see them on holy cars, and, and one place that we see them is in stained glass windows. And Deacon Keating said over and over and over again, I want a window. I want a window. Like, I want there to be a stained glass window with, with Bryce Higginbotham in it. Because I want to have received the love of God that deeply. And if you don't believe that can happen for you and for me, Pope Francis today beatified somebody who died at 15 years old. Teenager who died in, I think, 1992. No, it must have been after that. No, he was born in 1991, and he died in 2006, I guess. He had an Xbox. He wrote computer programs and designed a website about Eucharistic miracles. His name is Blessed Carlos uh, Alcito, I think is how you pronounce it. Today, Pope Francis beatified Blessed Carlos. He gets a window. I want a window. I want you to have a window. I want to be a saint. This week, we heard about a priest next door in the Archdiocese in New Orleans who did exactly the opposite of that. Obscene, sinful, disgusting, and as Archbishop Amen said, demonic. Y'all, I'm tired of hearing over and over again about my brother priests breaking their vows. I'm sick of that. I am tired of seeing our world spiral down into sin after sin after sin, into crime after crime after crime. 
I am tired of every time I turn on the news seeing finger-pointing, arguing, and blaming. I'm, t- I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the chaos. I'm tired of the sin. I-, I want a window. Each person's sins are his or her own. My sins are my own. Your sins are your own. I did them. You did them. We repent. We go to confession. We take account. We give those. We give account of those before God. But what do we do? You and me. To facilitate in our lives and in our society the kinds of conditions where people are more easily able to get a window. Where people are more easily able to live in intimate communion with Jesus Christ. Where people are more easily able to live as disciples. What do we do? We come to the sacraments. Especially to Mass and to confession. And then we pray and we fast and we love. Given to the poor and loving our neighbor. That's it. We come to the sacraments and then we pray, we fast, and we love. There is no other answer, there is no magic bullet. There's no like special pill that you can take to automatically become a saint. No. It's ordinary. Monday, every day, yet deeper than anything else imaginable. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it so much as dawned upon man what God has prepared for those who love Him. And yes, the Bible is talking about heaven, but yes, the Bible says that heaven begins now. And how do we experience that? We come to the sacraments. We pray, we fast, we love. But life is not just about I. It's not just about me having a window. Like, I don't get a window. I don't become like a real disciple of Jesus. I don't become a fully actualized disciple of Jesus. I don't become a saint by just worrying about me. I become a saint by loving, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says. Together, as a political society... We have the responsibility to promote the common good. We're approaching this year's election. And as we think about this year's election, the church gives us principles by which we should judge how we should vote. By which we should judge how well we as a society are doing at being a society. And the first principle, the fundamental principle, is the one that we talked about last week, which is the dignity of the human person. Each and every human being has dignity. Each and every human being 
is made in the image and likeness of God, and we should have reverence for each and every human being. Period. Whether that human being is in the womb, whether that human being is very, very old and sick and about to die, whether that human being is living a great life and becoming a saint, or whether that human being is engaged in all sorts of wicked and horrible, horrible sins. That was the first principle. We love other people. We see their dignity. We see how God made them. We reverence how God bestows his love upon each and every one of us. The dignity of the human person. The principle, excuse me, that we're talking about today, and the reason that I have notes, because I wanted to read you the definitions and get them right, is the common good. The common good. The catechism of the Catholic Church calls the common good the sum total of social conditions which allow people to reach their fulfillment more fully and easily. So if we're working for the common good, that means that we as a society, we as a nation and a state and a community, we are trying to make the best possible circumstance on this side of the fall, knowing that there's no such thing as an earthly utopia, it doesn't exist, but we are trying to make the best possible circumstance on this side of the fall for you and I and all the other people out there to find fulfillment. We, you, me, all of us, including our elected officials. It's not just the elected officials' job, but they are part of it, along with us. We work together. As we participate in politics, we have a responsibility to build a society where each person has the most opportunity possible to reach fulfillment. And what is fulfillment? In the end, what does it mean to be fulfilled? Well, to be fulfilled is to be filled up. To be be full. And where do we find fulfillment? Where do we find joy? Well, you know the answer. I want a window. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a saint. I want to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ right now and into eternity. We rest beside the waters. The good shepherd leads us there. We have each tear of our face wiped away by the hand of God. We no longer fear death we enjoy the wedding supper of the Lamb, which is heaven. But to enjoy the wedding supper of the Lamb, to have a window, to to go to the wedding banquet, and the wedding banquet that Jesus is talking about in the Gospel, that's the kingdom of heaven. To go to the wedding banquet, we've got to have the right garment. Because the guy who came with the wrong garment, he got thrown out into hell. So what does it mean to have the right garment? The book of Revelation actually gives us the answer. Revelation 19.8. The wedding garment is the righteous deeds of the saints. You and I. What are righteous deeds? Prayer. Fasting. And loving. Giving alms to the poor and loving our neighbor. Back to the beginning. Back to the basics. Back to the fundamentals. Praying, fasting, loving. 
I'll stop saying it when we all start doing it. And I'll know that we're all doing it faithfully when our world, when our nation and our world begins to change. Because that's what the early Christians did. This little band of people, practically slaves in the Middle East, converted the whole Roman Empire by coming to the sacraments and praying, fasting, and loving. So what do we think about as we prepare to vote? Or as we think about politics? Maybe if we aren't old enough to vote yet, but we'll be one day. We think about human dignity. And we think about the common good. And other things that we're going to talk about in future weeks. We think about the conditions that help human beings to flourish. The U.S. bishops, I told you before, wrote a document called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. I invite you to read it in preparation for the election. I read it, found it very helpful. You don't have to agree or disagree with everything that the bishops say, but it's a, it's a really good document. And it gives us some really, really good guidance as Catholics. The U.S. bishops write that if we're going to promote the common good, if we are going to together introduce as best as we can on this world, this side of the fall, the conditions for human flourishing, then we've got to provide, we, we've got to do, do our best to make sure everyone has the opportunity for, for food and for shelter, the bishops say, for education and for employment, for health care and for housing, for freedom of religion and family life, along with freedom of conscience, which includes the right to practice our faith in freedom. The bishops say that these rights to freedom of conscience where we can live our religious beliefs must be constantly defended. So if there are policies or candidates promoting policies that like, like make it harder for people to have food, shelter, education, employment, health care, housing, and freedom of religion... And we say, eh, should I be voting for that person? On the other hand, if we have candidates who make it easier for us, to, for us to have food and shelter and all the rest of those things. Oh, okay, well, I should be, that, that seems to be a good candidate to vote for. If a candidate is not willing to defend religious freedom, eh, I don't think I can vote for that one. And if a candidate is willing to Defend religious freedom. Oh, yeah. It's again, can't anyone vote for. We must be allowed to worship. This is part of religious freedom. We must be allowed to worship. We must not be forced to pay for wicked things like abortion or things often used in a sinful way like contraceptives. The little sisters of the poor must not be forced to pay for contraceptives and their insurance. Doctors and nurses must never be forced to perform procedures or administer drugs which have morally reprehensible direct effects. We have to defend our religious freedom. The, the catechism says that part of the common good is ensuring peace and security in our society, providing for the individual and the common defense which allows us to, to live free from fear of harm. We should be protected 
and be able to protect ourselves appropriately from crime. We should be protected from foreign nations who desire our harm and who may want to wage war against us. And more fundamentally, we should be building a society where there is less crime and where there is less strife between nations. Although, that can't be eliminated completely until Jesus comes back because we live on this side of the fall. We cannot build a utopia. That, that's what, that's what the, the church in the catechism and what our bishops in the United States are telling us that we need to be thinking about as we determine who we vote for, which referenda are in Louisiana, which constitutional amendments we say yes or no to, and all the rest. Common good. You won't hear from here my opinion on which candidate does which things better or worse and, and how they do it. And I'm sure you can see from our, just from our little conversation right now that people of goodwill could disagree on the how to, suit, to do some of these issues. Which is, why, which is why it makes me so mad when I turn on the TV and I see all I see is pointing fingers and blaming and trying to holler at each other rather than actually sitting down and talking out the issues and perhaps sometimes legitimately disagree. And sometimes say, no, that's evil. We cannot do that. We can never support that with something like abortion or euthanasia for that matter. So you think about these issues. You discuss them with your families and friends. You form your own opinion. Which policies do I think would work best to promote this common good? Which candidates support those policies? But never, ever, ever vote out of, outside of the context of prayer, of fasting, and of loving. Pray as you think about these things. Ask the Holy Spirit for the gifts of wisdom and counsel and discernment, fortitude, piety. Fast. As you make these, this is important. Like, do some fasting for our country. As we approach the election. Or if you can't fast from food because of your health or something like that, do some mortifications. Give something up. And love. Give to the poor. Love the people. Love your neighbor. People live in your house. People you go to school with, you go to work with. All those things. Because the goal is not some earthly utopia. That doesn't exist. The goal is joy. The goal is sainthood. The goal is heaven. And... I want a window 